Thank you, ladies, and have a great day. Well, it's fun to hear. Sure, we can clap for that. I've never felt older than when she didn't know who the Doobie Brothers were. That's even before my time. Uh, all right. Well, we ask people to talk about their brushes with greatness and with fame, and it's always interesting to hear those. Uh, I've had a few of my own. Um, when I was in grad school, I lived in Southern California, and uh, uh, on a Saturday, it was always fun to go over to Venice Beach and kind of just hang out on the boardwalk. If you haven't been to Venice Beach, uh, we have nothing quite like it up here in this part of California. Uh, Santa Cruz maybe, although Santa Cruz is a little bit carnival. Anyway, Venice Beach is really just street vendors and street performers and uh, people one-upping each other with each next level of weirdness that they can achieve. And it's kind of awesome. And my friends and I would go and we would rollerblade, which sounds a lot less cool in 2022 than it was in 1995. But trust me, rollerblading was like a big thing. Anyway, one day I was down rollerblading along the boardwalk at Venice Beach and I was going very slow so as not to hit the thousands of pedestrians that are walking. And in fact, there were two pedestrians walking in front of me, holding hands as they walked, going especially slow, uh, holding hands so I, I couldn't really get around them. So I leisurely skated up behind them about 10 feet back and I just kind of kept their pace and I figured eventually I will pass them. Well, before long, I started seeing all of these people in front of me and in front of the two people who were in front of me, I started seeing them clear. Uh, it was like everybody stopped and moved to the side of the boardwalk and turned around and just gawked in my direction. And uh, I, I had a really good view of this since rollerblades put you like five inches taller than everyone else. And I thought, wow, everybody is very impressed with my own rollerblading technique here. <laughs> Why is everyone watching me? And it was then that I realized they're not watching me. They're watching the two people in front of me. And I couldn't see their faces. All I could see was the back of their heads, the back of their bodies, and the back of their arms. And that is when I noticed this, the barbed wire tattoo. And I realized it's Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee which in the mid-90s was quite the spectacle, I will tell you. Uh, I, I think it was the same day I skated a little bit further down the boardwalk, and I walked right toward, uh, right, walking right toward me as he walked his dogs was this guy right here, Danny Trejo, Machete himself, and I thought it was so cool to see Danny Trejo. Uh, another time, my brother and I decided to go see this new movie that had come out while we lived down in L.A., uh, Waiting for Guffman by Christopher Guest. We were big Spinal Tap fans, and... Uh, we sat down in the theater. It was only playing in one theater in Los Angeles at the time. I think we were in Santa Monica. And uh, as we were waiting for the movie to start, four or five girls walked in. And I, I say girls because they were our age. They were like 22, 23. And uh, one of them was Winona Ryder. And uh, another was Gwyneth Paltrow. And uh, they just sat down right in front of us, literally right in front of us, just hanging out 15 minutes waiting for the movie to start. Uh, Pretty exciting people to be near for two young guys from Chicago in their 20s. Um, I have never revealed this before, but I think they looked at me and were very interested. <laughs> but I was dating Andrea at the time, so I had to say, no ladies, I'm taken. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think what made it so cool being a kid from the Midwest, all these people that you had seen on TV or in movies 
that were literally thousands of miles away as I was growing up, they didn't seem real. Um, they didn't seem knowable. They seemed untouchable. But having them right in front of you, it kind of changes the moment. Well, as you can tell from the video and, and, and maybe my stories, there's, there's something about being in the presence of someone great, someone famous. An ordinary rollerblade down the boardwalk turns into something extraordinary, right? A seat at the movie theater becomes a story that you're telling 25 years later. And, and you would think that we would feel this way, that we should feel this way when we talk about being in the presence of God. But often we don't. Because often for many of us, for many of us, the God of the universe feels like he is so far away. In fact, just that phrase that I just used, God of the universe, it's meant to remind us of how big God is. But I wonder if it just serves to make us think that he is way out there. God is thousands of miles away. He is distant. Yes, I know that Jesus came to earth, but that was thousands of years ago, and then he left. He's not just distant miles. He's distant years. And, and where that matters, where it really matters, is when it seems like your problems or the things that you are going through are not seen by him. Um, can I tell you, as a pastor, I have talked to so many people, so many of you, who feel like your prayers fall on deaf ears. And, and while you might still believe in God, you're not sure you believe in a God who is with you. Again, especially when you're going through something. When you are in the middle of some rough waters and, and you know they're not going to go away overnight. And you know they're going to be painful. And, and you know they're going to cause some real lasting damage. You need to feel God. You need to know that he's present. And sometimes... God feels so far away. Can I tell you, I wonder if that sense that he is far has more to do with us than it has to do with him. I want you to watch this drama and see if you can relate. Obviously, none of these things will do. God, thank you that my son has finally found his soulmate. And thank you that I love Renee like she was my very own daughter. And thank you, God, that we're getting to celebrate their engagement this weekend. But God, could you please make me look good in one of these outfits? I mean... Normally, I wouldn't pray about something so shallow, but you know what's at stake here. Jerry will be there with his new wife, Ashley, who incidentally is only two years older than my soon-to-be daughter-in-law. It's just so embarrassing how clueless he is. But what about me? I mean, I've been divorced for nine years. I've been on exactly 12 dates. Oh, 13, if you count Bud from Alabama, who made whiskey in his bathtub. Ugh, we don't count him. But God, it's not about the dates. It's about this, this doing life alone stuff. I mean, where are you in all of this? I mean, I have been 
praying. I've been having all my friends pray. My small group is praying. Is it too much to ask for me to not feel like a constant failure? I mean, is it just that you don't care? Do you even see me here? Can you hear anything I am saying? I feel like I'm talking to myself here. I mean, God, can you just give me some sort of sign that you're here? <laughs> Nothing. God, you know, for somebody who supposedly parted the Red Sea, I don't think it's too, too much to ask for you to show me just a little tiny something. Just one little thing. want to be. I've been trying so hard. I mean, I know I annoy my kids with my over-involvement, but I just want to be included. I just want to be accepted for who I really am. I just want to be loved. God, I am begging you to see me, to be here with me. Why are you so far away?
some of those lines that were just sung. I, I, is anybody listening? I've been waiting for you to come rescue me. There are these moments in life where you feel what she was singing, and, and God does not feel like he is here or available. And, and what do you do when the God of the universe, in all his greatness, you need him to be there for you? But what do you do when you don't sense him? What do you do when you need his presence most, but he does not seem to be present? Well, it might interest you to know, this is not a new problem. That for thousands of years, people have been crying out to a God who promised to be faithful and wondering where he is. Psalm 13, 1, David writes, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And that's just one of many moments in Scripture where God seems far away. But what we also know from Scripture is that the God of the universe is not far away. That he is present. And as you saw in the drama, sometimes it is we, us, who have the blind eyes to his presence. Whose ears are deaf to what he might be saying. The truth is... God has been here all along. He's here right now, possibly even talking to you right now. But in our searching for the God who, who we think is distant, we miss what he's doing right here where we are present. And, and Jesus knew this. And, and what I want you to know today is that Jesus had something in mind, a practice to keep us aware and living in the presence of God. Jesus gave us this practice, but because we're not insiders, we don't know that presence is the point of this practice. In fact, we think that the point of this practice is lots of other things, and presence is not one of them, and that's unfortunate because without the point, this practice that I'm telling you about, it turns into nothing more than a rote, somewhat boring ritual, not the experience of God's presence that Jesus intended, but when you know the point of the practice is presence, everything changes. Would you say that with me? The point of the practice is presence. And so today, my job is to bring you again inside something that Jesus knew and the early followers of Jesus knew so that when we look at this practice, you see that it's meant to help you experience the presence of God in the way that Jesus intended. My job is to make you an insider today. And this door that you're going to go through, when you get to the other side of it, to the inside, it's got the power to make all the difference when you are in a rough time, when you are in a storm, when, when you need to experience God in your midst. So to get you inside, let me tell you about something called the Amida. Now, I know I just had you say the point of the practice is presence, but we, uh, it's important that you know this word. So we're going to say this together, uh, all right? Amida. Now you say, Amida, Amida. Since the first century AD, uh, that's Jesus' time, G J Jewish followers of God had been praying a prayer called the Amida three times a day. The Amida, which is also called the 18 benedictions or the 18 blessings, actually, there are 19 now, but the Amida, this prayer, formed the heart of Jewish worship. Three times a day it would be prayed. It still is. What that means is Jews would have prayed it, uh, Jesus would have prayed it, his dad would have prayed it, Jesus would have heard his dad pray it in, in the morning, in the evening when he came home from work, the disciples prayed it, 
18 blessings three times a day. Can somebody do that math? 54. It's 54 blessings over the course of, of what? 16 waking hours? Now, we're going to get into the significance of the three times a day thing in a minute, but let me just show you a little bit of the Amida, and we don't have time for me to go through all 18 blessings, um, which is actually very relevant that we don't have time to what you should know about the Amida. The Amida was very long. So take a look at blessing number one. It opens with this one. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. Actually, let's read it together, and then you can say that you have actually read or prayed some of the Amida, okay? Let's just kind of all read this sentence. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. Now, maybe you've actually heard a number of Jewish prayers that open this way, recognizing God is our God. And God is God of our fathers. The Amida is not the only prayer that opens like this. But this was significant for the Jewish people because it pointed out that God was not just a God of those people in the distant past, but God was our God. He's our father too. All right, I'm only going to show you six of these blessings, but just to make sure you're getting them and, and, and what the theme of each one is, I'm going to circle some things as we go that will help you see what the theme was for that blessing. And, and these things I circle are going to matter in a minute, okay? So blessing number one, the theme, our God. We are tying ourselves in with God's faithfulness in the past. Now, let me show you a little bit of the third blessing, okay? Blessing three, thou art holy and thy name is holy and the holy praise thee daily. Blessed art thou, O Lord, the holy God. What do you think this blessing focuses on? God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy. It says it again. Holy. All right, let me show you a little bit of blessing number 11. Reign over us, you alone, O Lord, with loving kindness and compassion and, and clear us in judgment. Blessed are you, O Lord, the king who loves righteousness and justice. Okay, this one talks about God reigning like a king. You're the king. We should do what you say. Okay, the ninth blessing. Bestow or give a blessing, God, upon the face of the earth. Oh, satisfy us with your goodness and bless our year like the best of years. So bless what you give us to meet our needs. Another Jewish prayer says this a little bit more eloquently. It says, give every one of your creatures their daily bread and grant them their urgent needs. All right, you remembering all this? There will be a test later. No, there's no test. You don't, have to, you don't have to remember all of it, but you're gonna see how this is significant later. All right, only two more of the 18 that I'm gonna show you. Let me show you the sixth part of the Amida. Uh, the sixth blessing says, forgive us, our Father, for we have sinned. Pardon us, our King, we have transgressed. For you, pardon, forgive us. And, and what will we say that the, the theme of blessing six is? It's what? It's forgive. Now, the seventh blessing, one more that I'll show you, it says this, look with compassion on the afflicted among us, be our guardian and our advocate, and redeem us speedily from all evil, for in you we trust as our mighty redeemer. And the theme of this blessing is guard us, save us, redeem us from evil. Now, We've just looked at six of the 18, but it gives you an overall feel of what kind of things are being talked about in this prayer that happened three times a day. Okay, let's talk about that frequency. Why three times a day? Because the prayer, the Amida, was meant to be a reminder that God was present among them. Present. All right, time out. Let's talk about presence. 
Did you know that some synagogues have inscribed some Hebrew words above the cabinet where they keep the Torah scrolls? And the words, if you translate them into English, the words say this, know before whom you stand. I like that. Know before whom you stand. I wish when my kids come and talk to me, I could just look at them and say, know before whom you stand. These words inspire this sense of awe, right? And maybe even a little bit of terror because they are saying, don't forget, you are standing in the presence of God himself. Do you know that the reason many Jewish men wear yarmulkes is to remind themselves to be humble in God's presence, which is all around them. The idea is that we are continually in the presence of God. And the reason that the Amida would get prayed three times a day was not just because God needs to hear these 18 blessings. It was so that people could be reminded of God's presence. Now, just real quick on that. I don't know where we see the Amida show up in Scripture, but I have an idea. I do wonder. I do wonder. There's this moment in the story of Daniel. It's in Daniel 6. And Daniel and many others have been taken to exile in Babylon, and, and now Daniel is working for the king of Babylon, and the Babylonian workers hate Daniel. And so they go to the king, King Darius, and they say, issue an edict, Darius, that anybody who prays to anyone other than you in the next 30 days will be thrown into a lion's den. And Darius says, that sounds like a great idea. Why didn't I think of that myself? And so he makes it a law. And verse 10 tells us, take a look. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Three times a day. I was talking to Andrea about this one day, and, and she said when she was a kid, she would hear this story about Daniel, and she would think, three times a day? That doesn't sound like a lot. I pray way more than that. Andrea's a little extra. She went to a Christian school. Anyway. <laughs> um, now that you know about the Amida, could it be that Daniel is praying the three official prayers you're supposed to pray? That he's praying the 18 blessings? And, and can I tell you why Daniel would do this? Because when you feel like God is very far away, like while you are in exile in Babylon and they're trying to get you killed, the Amida is to bring you into God's presence, to remind you of God's presence right there. Now, there were problems with this Amida. What do you think the problems would be? What does this wonderful practice of reminding yourself of God's presence become? Obligation. I, I guess it already was obligation. Okay, what does obligation become? Just going through the motions. Especially when you have 18 things to have to say three times a day. And this is where what synagogue you went to, that you participated in, the synagogue determined what your Amida looked like. Um, for about 400 years before Jesus came, synagogues were a thing. Even in Jerusalem where the temple stood, there were 480 different synagogues in Jerusalem. And the rabbi of your particular synagogue would be the one to tell you what your Amida ought to look like. All right, if you are obligated to pray, then this is what your prayer should be. Now, Amida, 18 blessings, right? But I should tell you, with some rabbis, it was 12. And with some, it was 14. See, in the early first century, in Jesus' time, it was still in flux. It hadn't been written down yet. So certain rabbis used their own words for the Amida instead of the ones that I showed you. And, and maybe most importantly, 
certain rabbis, get this, certain rabbis actually looked and they saw not everybody's going to have enough time every day to say all these blessings in their entirety. And rather than give up on the Amidah altogether or give up on the three times, the rabbis made condensed, shorter versions of it for their people to say. Versions that met the minimum standards and would fulfill your obligation. Rabbis would teach their followers their opinion of how to do the Amidah. And, and many rabbis, knowing that this felt like a burden, this obligation, they would try to make the Amidah simpler for you. And now, with that insider knowledge on Amidah, let me show you something in Luke 11. Verse 1, it says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus is praying. He's very likely praying the Amida. And one of his disciples comes to him and he says, teach us to pray. And knowing what you now know, here is what he's asking. Hey, Jesus, you know those 18 blessings we say three times a day? What is the minimum prayer we can say three times a day and be confident that we have fulfilled our obligation? By the way, that sounds like a terrible way to start a conversation with Jesus. Um, if you run a business, say you run a frozen yogurt shop and your employees come to you and they say, what's the minimum amount of cleanup we have to do each day to pass a health inspection? You will not stay open very long, right? If you're a teacher and your students ask, what's the minimum amount of schoolwork I can do to pass your class? Not a good sign. Uh, as a couple, if your spouse or partner says to you, what's the minimum amount of time I can spend with you and still have you feel like I love you? <laughs> you are going down the wrong path. When the disciples say, teach us how to pray, they are asking a question that is being asked of every rabbi at that time. Jesus, what is the minimum amount of prayer we can pray and still fulfill our Amida? And Jesus says back to them, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He teaches them what we have historically called the Lord's Prayer. But now that you're an insider, you know this isn't just the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus' version of the Amida. Now, I'm going to put it next to the themes of the Amida that I just showed you. Okay, take a look at blessing one. Blessing one is about God being our God, not just the God or, or the God of the past or your God. He is ours. All right, Jesus opens our Father who is in heaven. Remember blessing three? It's all about God's holiness. Jesus says next, hallowed or holy is your name. The next blessing says, God, you are king. You reign. Jesus says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Same thing. The ninth blessing says that, that, that God, bless us, give us produce. So, so bless what you give us to meet our needs. And Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. The sixth blessing says, forgive us, for we have sinned. Jesus says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Finally, the seventh blessing says, guard us, redeem us from evil. Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now, 
that you are an insider, you know that it's very possible when Jesus teaches his disciples the Lord's Prayer, he is teaching them an abbreviated version of something called the Amida, a prayer meant to be prayed three times a day. And the point of the practice is for you to be reminded in whose presence you stand. Know before whom you stand. God is with you and he is present. And now that you know this, all you need to do is pray three times a day the Lord's Prayer, and you too can feel God with you at any given moment. And next time you're going through some trouble, you will feel God's presence. Not so fast. Those of you who, who spent some time in some more uh, liturgical churches, maybe the Catholic Church, uh, maybe if you even grew up having a priest tell you, uh, go say an Our Father and three Hail Marys. The Our Father is a reference to this thing that we just looked at, right? The Lord's Prayer. Uh, or maybe, maybe you used a rosary, and, and there are beads on the rosary, and each bead represents a prayer that you should pray, and a number of those beads are our fathers. Those of you who've done any sort of repetitive praying, you know simply praying something does not make it feel like God is present. In fact, sometimes the more repetitive or, or, or rote a prayer is, the less I'm even paying attention to what I'm saying. I'm not even thinking about God anymore. I'm just getting through the lines. Surely Jesus' answer to the God's presence problem is not just to recite these prayers more frequently, even his shortened, condensed version. And the reason that you feel that is because there's one more thing I have not brought you on the inside of yet. See, these Amida prayers were not just recitations. They involved something else called kavanah. Would you say that with me? Kavanah. Kavanah is a Hebrew word that means intention or direction. Intention, direction. And see, here's what the rabbis believed about the Amida and other prayers. The rabbi said, a prayer without a kavanah is like a body without a soul. That a prayer without kavanah is like a lifeless, dead corpse. The rabbis knowing that their faith required that it obligated their people to many routine pre-written prayers and that in those prayers it would be easy to forget in whose presence you stand the rabbis emphasized kavanah the idea of being profoundly aware of the one to whom you are speaking as you direct your heart toward heaven now i was thinking about this um whether you know it or not you have had some kind of kavanah intention or direction with somebody in your lifetime. Um, there is probably someone special that you have spoken with, and you didn't just say whatever words you said to them. You intended them to this person, right? You directed them to this person. Uh, I had a friend once. This was in grad school. My friend was going on his first date. Uh, this is, if I recall, one of his all-time first dates, not just with this girl, but uh, of all time. And so we were very excited for him. And afterwards, we asked him how the date went, and he said it went well, and that he told her he loved her. <laughs> and we said, but it was your first date. And he said, yeah, but I figured if it works out, someday I'll have to tell her that. And it's always awkward. Will you say it first? Will she? So I just figured we'd get it over with right now on the first date. And I said, but you don't know her. You don't know that you love her. And he said, well, I love her in the way I'm supposed to love a sister in Christ or love my neighbor or uh, even love my enemy. I don't not love her. So uh, he said, I just kind of said to her at the end, hey, thanks for hanging out tonight. 
let's do it again, love you. And she said, love you too. And that was it. And actually, now that I think about it, they did end up getting married. But <laughs> what I'll tell you is my friend had no kavana. And he had no game. But he really had no kavana. Okay, kavana. When I asked Andrea to marry me, I got down on one knee and I looked her in the eye and I didn't just say the words, right? I intended them. I directed them toward her. Will you be my wife? Will you spend the rest of your life with me? And in those words, in that moment, there was kavana. Kavana is intention. It is direction. It is full of passion. The words are fresh. And I'm telling you, you have had moments in your life where you had kavana with another person. And I would ask, have you had kavana with God? Have you recently prayed a prayer with intention and direction and passion? Do you pray with a sense of the moment, with, with a sense of the awesome God who is your focus? Or do you, like I sometimes do, say, God, thanks for the food. Amen. Kind of like, we'll catch you next time. Like, I'm doing my obligation as opposed to I am standing in the presence of the God who created this universe. I had better look him in the eye when I say what I say. I better get down on, on one knee and humble myself and direct my words and have intention with my voice. And not I had better because if I don't, he might hurt me. He might strike me dead. I had better because a prayer without kavanah is like a body without a soul. And what's the point? What's the point of saying the words, talking to him, if I don't talk to him? And you want to know why we often don't sense God's presence when we need to sense God's presence? Because the practice that Jesus taught us is missing this thing that only insiders know. When you pray the Amida, you're supposed to have kavanah. The point of the practice is presence, not just from God, but from you. One writer that I was, I was reading on Kavanah, she talked about taking a trip to Jerusalem, and, and she went to the Western Wall, which is the last remaining wall of the temple dating back 2,000 years. And, and at that wall, today, people gather and they pray. No doubt you've seen this wall in movies and in pictures. People pilgrimage to the Western Wall to pray. By the way, talk about intention and direction, a pilgrimage. They pray at this wall, and many people insert slips of paper into the cracks and the crevices that they find. These, these papers are their prayers to God, and, and it is often called the wailing wall because of the emotion and, and heart that people have poured into their prayers at this wall historically. And so this woman wrote as she was talking about it. She wrote, it's hard to describe the awe I felt, not because of the ancient stones, but because of the sense I had of being in the presence of of the Father. And she says what brought that sense of kavanah, not only was, was it the, the kavanah she felt in the people that day uh, throughout as she made her way to the mall, but, but the people she encountered when she got there. And she writes this, living with kavanah utterly changes our experience of life. Living with kavanah utterly changes our experience of life. And what you now know as an insider, you're all insiders is not just what to pray, but how to pray it with intention, with direction, with the awareness of whose presence you are standing in. This week, whether you are 
digging a ditch, baking a cake, writing an email, leading a meeting, whatever it might be, would you draw your attention to God's presence? Would you remember that no matter where you are, you are in the presence of the Lord? And would you, as you pray what you pray, would you give him your presence? Stand with me. Let's pray before we go. And actually, uh, to remind you of God's presence this week as you pray, we have written the word kavanah on a card, and we put Jesus' prayer right on the back of that as well. And, and I want to encourage you to grab one of these on the way out. They will be at the doors as you head into the courtyard. People will be handing those out. And, and I think that maybe if you put that somewhere, that'll catch your attention throughout the day to remind you in whose presence you stand, all right? God, may we be aware that you are not distant. You have come close. God, you are here. God, in our storms, you are not far away from us. May we be present enough to know your presence. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks for coming today. We'll see you next week.